Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, the book of 1 Kings and chapter number 10. The book of 1 Kings and chapter number 10. We're continuing with our series of the life and ministry of Solomon as we've been examining this great king of the Bible and seeing how God used him. Remember that God had actually showed up and personally spoke to Solomon twice. Solomon in response had been given his life for the last 20 years to build Jerusalem, to build the house of God, to help build the kingdom and to distribute wisdom that God had given him. Well, as Solomon had built the kingdom as God has been just pouring the blessings upon Solomon and the kingdom that he reigned, the reputation of Solomon began to spread all over the known world. With this, we have an account of someone who heard the accounts of Solomon and what was the response from this monarch. Notice with me the book of 1 Kings chapter number 10. The book of 1 Kings chapter 10, and notice with me in verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It is a true report that I heard in my own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and the prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are the men, happy are those servants and which stand continually before thee, and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord God, which delighteth in thee, to set thee on the throne of God, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold, and of spices of very great store, and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. And the navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophar brought in from Ophar great plenty of almug trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almug trees pillars for the 
house of the Lord for the king's house, for harps also and sultries for singer. And there was no such almeg trees, nor was seen unto this day. And King Solomon gave unto Queen of Sheba all her desire, whatever she asked, and beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she returned and went back into her own country, she and her servants. And if you have it in marking things in your Bible, would you mark a person that is mentioned several times, starting at verse number one, the queen of Sheba, the queen of Sheba. And if you don't mind, notice what she said, the queen of Sheba. We see the queen of Sheba in all of these passages, but notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number seven, when she said, the half was not told me. The half was not told me. And with this, we're going to do a quick study of Queen of Sheba as she goes and visits Solomon and learn a little bit more as we do a quick character study on this visit of the Queen of Sheba. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, we're just asking that you would open up this Bible passage in a very special way, that we could learn more about this visit, and then we could turn around and see how we could apply this to our own life. Help us with this very important historical account that was so important, and yet we're thankful for all that you do for us. What a wonderful God. Help us to be impressed by you. I dare not trust my own, so the best I know how I surrender myself, my thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, what I want to get accomplished, and we give to you and ask that you get your own work accomplished through your precious word. Thank you that we could trust you in this. We love you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we examine this, the first thing I want to bring to your attention is what the queen of Sheba sought. The queen of Sheba sought. Now, many people had speculated where Sheba is. That's one of those unknowns in the Bible. There are two major uh, guesses. Some say that it is Ethiopia or some say that it is modern day Yemen. But the one thing that we do know from the historical accounts is that Sheba was known for three major things. They were known specifically of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That will show up later in history, by the way, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, traders had come along the Red Sea, coming from Solomon's court, coming from seeing and witnessing the things there. And as the sailors would come down with the ships and the merchants, they would begin to tell the tales of what they saw in Israel. They began to say, man, there's Solomon. He is the wisest king. It is amazing. You should see his kingdom. You should see his servants. You should see what they have there. It is amazing. And as these tales begin to uh, travel down, they eventually made their way to the country of Sheba. And as the queen of Sheba began to hear these things. She began to hear about the wonder of Solomon and the wisdom of Solomon and the wealth of Solomon. She began to hear about the things of Solomon's God. She began to hear about how the kingdom and the things live for themselves. And she says, well, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. I mean, we have sailors that come and tell tall tales. You know, sailors are very famous for saying, I caught a fish this big and begin to exaggerate. And so she goes, you know, I'm hearing all these tales and they're being pretty consistent of coming in. But, you know, surely this all can't be true. Surely this is a mythology. Now, 
at this time, most people would stop there and automatically just discount it. That doesn't sound true. It doesn't whatever else. I'm just going to ignore all the things. But that's not what the Queen of Sheba did. The Queen of Sheba said, these are things that are hard for me to believe. I don't believe it's true, but I am going to investigate it for myself. I'm not just going to discount it just because it sounds implausible. I'm not going to discount it because the sailors are known for telling tall tales. I'm not going to discount it because there's no way someone can have a kingdom that happy, that pleasant, that well off. She goes, I am going to investigate it for myself. And so she did. Notice with me as we go to chapter 10 verse 1. When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of God. So notice what she heard of. When she heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of of the Lord. This was a big deal. She had heard things not only about Solomon, but she heard things about Solomon's God. Now, hearing about people's gods was not unusual in the ancient world. Literally at that time, it was not an atheistic society. Everything was run off of religion. Everything was based off of people's gods. The little G-gods that they had at this city and this little G-god over here. So the things that she heard about Solomon and his god was completely different. There's something about Solomon and his God. His God sounds like he's real. His God sounds like there's something to it. His God sounds like he's a personal God. I want to go find out about Solomon's tales. I want to find out about his God to see whether these things are true. So when she came to, uh, when the queen of Solomon heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, um, she came to prove him with hard questions. She went to King Solomon with the idea of asking hard or difficult questions. The word prove means to put to the test. The Bible speaks of this, of the church of Berea, that what they would do is that they would search the scriptures to see if those things were so. They wanted to prove them. They heard what they said, but let's put it to the test. Let's see if these things are so. She came to put the stories of Solomon and his God to the test. And to do this, she came to ask hard questions. Hard questions in those days were often put in riddles. They were often used to test the wisdom of a man. So when she came up, she came to test him to see if these things were so and came with hard questions. I want to know whether these things are true. I don't want some soft answer. I don't want some quick little answer that Sunday school kids give. I want to ask these hard questions. Will it stand the test or is this just something on the surface? Is Solomon's God real? And she came with the purpose of asking hard questions. So she's not coming as as much as respect, but she's coming more with questions and great doubts. She wants to say if they're really true for herself. So she shows up. Notice if you don't mind in verse 2. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train. Again, she's a queen of Sheba. She's coming to show that she's just not some peasant. She's coming to show that she is a, a wealthy monarch in her own right. She's coming with her own pomp and circumstance with a very great train. I mean, this is the first thing I want to see. If everybody says Solomon's so great and God's so great. Let's see how great God, his Solomon's God is compared to the train I could put together. 
Let's see if it compares to what I can organize. So she came with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she communed with him of all, notice that word all, all that was in her heart. When she came up, she came to ask these questions. She came with great doubts. She came to prove God. And she wanted to see if they were true for herself. And so she asked question after question after question after question. You almost might think that asking questions is a good thing to test your faith and to make sure that those things are so. To ask question after question after question. And she asked these questions. And every question she asked... Solomon was able to give her an answer. Now, this is very comforting for someone who's searching for what is real, trying to find something true about God. And to be able to find someone that's able to answer questions, even hard questions, and be able to present a case that, listen, our God's not imaginary. It's not something we made up. Our God is real, and we have the details to show that he is real, to be able to give answers to these things. Now, beyond the answers, she's also observing Solomon's kingdom with her own eyes. You know, it's one thing to have the answers, but let's see if it's carried out. So notice as she begins to give this observation as she's working with Solomon, verse 3. And Solomon told her all her questions. So she came and he answered all of her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the Solomon's wisdom and the house that he built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. Notice this word and. This is a literary device that is used in the Bible to help slow down the reader to pay attention to each thing of the list. That each one of these things are important. That God didn't want to have everything lipped in, uh, put into here. But as she's observing, she's watching everyone. Notice she watched Solomon and his wisdom. She watched Solomon and his house. She watched the meat of his table. She watched how they're eating. She watched how they're serving. Now, he had meat plenty, and they're eating well. And the sitting of his servants. Now we turn to the servants. It's one thing for a king or a leader to show, yeah, yeah, look, God's blessing and we're great. And I'm happy because I'm king and I'm whatnot. It's another thing to see the servants and the person working with them. She goes, I watched the servants. I watch them that are working and serving in Solomon's house. I watch them that are sitting the table and they're cleaning. I'm watching the people who are working and I'm noticing something. I'm noticing that they're happy. You know what? You could get good service if you pay enough money. I mean, Solomon's rich. Without a doubt, he could pay to get the best cooks. He could pay enough to get people not to grumble when they're washing dishes. He could pay enough that they seem to be, uh, you know, I'm doing my job. I'm getting well paid from it. But there's another thing when they seem genuinely happy to be there. He's watching their servants. They're watching that there's a spirit here that they're actually enjoy their work. There's something to this now. They're not just being paid to do a job. They're happy. 
She's watching this. You understand what she's doing? She's trying to put it to the test. There's nothing like someone saying, hey, I'm a Christian, and then go, but I'm grumpy about it. It doesn't match up. She's watching everything. The servants. Notice this. And their attendants of the ministers, meaning that how the people serve. Not only people trying to, they're not getting out of work and trying to do the minimum amount. They're glad to serve. And they could tell. You know, we could tell if there's a waiter and waitress who wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there. I mean, they may try to do their job and they try to do it well, but they don't seem like they're glad to be there. She watched their attendance to how they served and how they worked. They were glad to be there. It was Scott had put a blessing there and they're serving and they're glad to serve. And his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went to the house of the Lord. Notice this. She's watching his own worship of God. Oh, I'm sorry. The queen of Sheba's here. I can't make it to church today. No, he says, no. Even though that you're here, it's not going to stop my worship of God. I'm going to be consistent because this is important to me. I'm not going to allow you to be an excuse to disrupt this. She watches his honest devotion to God. You understand this is a big deal now. It's not just Solomon's wealth. And it's not just Solomon's wisdom. But she's watching as everything else is being carried out. And she's taking note. And adding it to the equation. It adds up. There's someone who says, my God is real. But they don't live like it. It doesn't match up. Let me tell you, God has saved me and there's a peace that passeth all understanding, but I hate people and I hate life and I wish I wasn't here. It doesn't match up. So when she's putting God or Solomon to the test concerning his God, she's looking at everything. She's studying it. She's not looking for word answers only. She's looking to see if it's consistent, to see if it's real. To see if it matches up. And it's not just one person putting on a show. But the servants when they're pleased. When they're being blessed. When they're learning from the wisdom of Solomon. When they're generally glad to be there. And the pay's not bad either. She's watching all of this. Notice verse 6. And she said to the, uh, verse five at the end of it, notice what her response was. There was no more spirit in her. What had happened is that the queen was impressed with how Solomon went to the house of the Lord. Solomon wasn't going through the motions. She was watching that there was nothing casual about the worship of God. She watched as the servants are responding. She's now blown away with all of this and the people that served her. And because of this, there was no more spirit in her. This phrase spirit is often associated with breath. You know what happened? She was so amazed, it took her breath away. She was so wowed and in awe. This idea that no more spirit is in them, this phrase is used four times in the Old Testament. And each case, it's a reaction of a non-Israelite person who's amazed at what God has done. 
There was no more spirit in them. It took their breath away. Wow, what a God. When's the last time that you've been impressed with God? When's the last time this God has impressed us? You know, sometimes we may just need to take a step back and be amazed with God for ourselves. Wow, look at what God has done. Wow, look at the Savior I have. Wow, look at this. This is amazing. Now, she confessed that all the things that she heard was not only true, but they didn't even report the half of it. There was so much more to it going on in Solomon's kingdom. It was twice as good as anybody had said. She gives this confession. Listen, I came here with doubts. I came here not quite understanding that your God is real, but I get here and I see something. Your God is real. Notice as we go through this passage here, it doesn't say anything about Solomon's gold. She's not impressed with Solomon's gold. She's impressed with Solomon's God. The half has not been told. Your God is real. I watch as you serve him. I watch as people respond to their relationship with God. I see how they carry themselves. Let me tell you that they haven't even told the half of it. There is something real here. Your God is real. Your God is amazing. Oh, I am intrigued. The half has not yet been told about this. I saw this. Notice as she goes on in verse number six. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my own land of the acts and thy wisdom. It is a true report. There's a close relationship between the word true and verse number six and then the word believe in verse number seven. She said to the king in verse 6, It is a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and thy wisdom. However, I believe not the words until I came, and mine eyes have seen it. For the queen of Sheba, seeing, was believing. I heard the tales, but I didn't take stock of it. I came to prove it myself, to see it with my own eyes. Now that I see it, now that I put it to the test, now that I examine it for myself, without a doubt, it was true and there's even more to it. She put it to the test. She heard the sayings. She didn't discount it, but she didn't take it just, just because it was said to her. She goes, I need to put it to the test. I need to examine it. I need to see if these things are true. Now that I came here, your God's real. This is amazing. This is wonderful. I just don't even know how to respond. My breath is taken away. Wow! Wow! I believe it now when the half has not yet been told. There was more to this. Notice what her conclusion was. And in fact... Um, Verse 7, Howbeit, I believe not the words until I came, and my eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not yet told to me. Thy wisdom and thy prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Now that prosperity is more than just money. It's more, it carries the idea of how they live their life. They had a prosperous, fulfilled, happy life. That's the type of life we want to have is a prosperous life. Not just one where we survive from paycheck to paycheck or from disaster to disaster or day to day. We want to enjoy the life that God's given to us. And she goes, I looked and I saw, man, these people don't have to work here. They want to work here. 
your devotion to God, you don't have to do this. You want to do this. Why? Because your God is real. This is true. This is amazing. I've seen it and wow. Notice verse 8. She continues with this. Happy are thy men and happy are thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Now again, can you imagine any person going to a government and said, hey, you know what? I want to go check out the president of the United States. Is everyone working for him happy to be there? Well, you know, this is something amazing. To go to a kingdom, I mean, the, the king could be a tyrant. He could be a monarch. He could be a, uh, a dictator that is forcing everyone to do what they say. But he says, they're not doing it because they have to. They're happy. And not only are they happy, notice this. It says... These servants that are continually before thee that hear thy wisdom. You know what the servants were able to do? They were able to ask questions and learn from Solomon. Wasn't that a blessing? They can learn from Solomon themselves. They had access to this wisdom. They were able to learn from these things and they were happy. By the way, it wasn't because of Solomon. It was because of Solomon's God and she's acknowledging this. Man, your God is real and it is evident not just by the words you say but by your devotion. But not just by your devotion. Them, their countenance, they're happy. They're glad to be here. They're learning from you. They're asking questions. They want to know more. They're, they're hungry for this. This is amazing. And it doesn't come naturally. It's because your God is real. Notice in verse number 9 blessed be the Lord thy God. Notice this. She is giving credit to where it's due. Blessed be the Lord thy God. Your God is real. Your God is real. Blessed be the Lord thy God which delighteth in thee to set thee on throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made thee king to do justice and judgment. Now notice in verse 9, who is speaking? The queen of Sheba. She's speaking to Solomon about Solomon. But she says, listen, because of how I observed you, your kingdom, your prosperity, your wisdom. She didn't say anything about gold. I'm putting that in there. But your servants are happy. How they carry themselves, how they're learning for wisdom. The one conclusion I could draw, God loved Israel. You know, this is the second time that in Solomon's lifetime that a foreign king had observed that God loved Israel. The first one was Hiram, which we had mentioned before in 2 Chronicles chapter 2. The Lord loved Israel. Think about that. How do you know that our God loves us? I can tell because God's prospered put in there. People want to be here. They don't have to be here. I can tell that God loves you because of how people respond to him. How the people react to him. The wisdom that comes from him. I can tell not only is your God real, but your God is a personal God who loves you and cares for everything about you. You understand she's very much impressed with God. She's wowed at God. Her breath is taken away at God. She is amazed. She's astonished that Solomon's God is a God who cares about the personal lives of his people. You can't say that about any other little G God. Even today's modern little G gods, those little G gods don't care about the personal 
health and prosperity of their followers. But the God of heaven, our God does. He cares about you every day. He cares about what goes on in your days. He knows everything about it. And he is concerned. And he wants you to enjoy the life that he has given to you. Now the queen of Sheba is thankful. Notice verse 10. And she gave the king 120 talents. Now we look at that word there. 120 talents and go, well, that's not a lot. Well, 120 talents of gold. If you translate that, it's going to be a little shade under a quarter of a billion dollars. That's a lot. She came here and said, listen, I'm amazed your God is real and I'm so thankful I'm willing to give an offering. Here's a quarter of a billion dollars just because your God is real. There is something to this. You know, when people see that God is real, they don't have any problems investing in and being thankful to it. It's no big deal at all because our God is real enough to use it. And to take care of it. She goes, man, this stuff can't be true. But when she went to research it for herself, she saw it was all true. Not only that, but God, person, Solomon had a personal relationship with God and saw that God cares for the personal life of his followers. Solomon's God loved his people and he loved justice. And when she left, she, she went back with more than what she brought. She gave a quarter of a billion dollars worth of gold, but she's walking out knowing that God is real. And she's impressed with God and she walks away and says, woohoo, God has taken care of her. Notice verse 13. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire whatsoever she asked beside that which Solomon gave of her of his royal bounty. So she turned away in her own country and her servants. She came trying to find the truth, not discounting it, but trying to find the truth, found that it was more than what she expected, more than she knew that God was real. And she walked away more prosperous than what she came in. There was something to it because her, that God was real and she was able to learn about it. Now at this stage, she leaves the annals of Bible history. However, it's not the last time she's mentioned in the Bible. With that, turn with me to the gospel record of Luke. We see before what the queen of Sheba sought. Now as we turn to the gospel record of Luke, let's see what the queen of Sheba testified. The queen of Sheba testified. Now a thousand years have passed by the time we get to the gospel record of Luke. And now history is watching the Lord Jesus Christ. All around the Lord Jesus Christ are people who have not believed for themselves. Can you imagine that? Here is God robed in flesh and people around him and they're doubting him. They don't believe it's true. In fact, this is the great sin that's pointed in the gospel records that the people believed him not. 45 times in the gospel records, it is recorded that the people believed not. It is a great sin that arises that they could have believed. They have God himself there who's done miracles. Their mir God's miracles did not impress them. Jesus was there preaching to them directly, talking with them. And his preaching did not impress them. That God himself is robed in flesh dwelling with them. And his presence did not impress them. And they believed not. Now, in the midst of this, Jesus makes a reference. Notice with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter 11. Notice with me in verse 29. The gospel record of Luke chapter 11 verse 29. 
When the people gathered thick together, he, Jesus, began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign. There shall be no sign given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. So Jesus comes up and says, listen, you're an evil generation. You can't believe what you're hearing. You don't you have questions, you have doubts. But what you do is you toss this out. They don't believe the miracles. They won't believe. He begins to teach them that this is an evil generation because they're seeking for another miracle. That the preaching of Jesus was not enough for them. This great miracle that Jesus had done was not enough for them. The accounts of their prophets like Jonah that all preached about Jesus was not enough for them. They were not satisfied. They would not believe it. The Bible was not enough for them. They had these great doubts. They had these great questions, but they wouldn't seek to have them answered. They just immediately say, oh, it's not true, so I'm not going to believe anything that is shown. So Jesus doesn't give them a sign, but notice as he continues to answer this, and he gives them in verse number 31. The queen of the south, that's queen of Sheba, shall rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. Why? For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, the greater than Solomon is here. Jesus said, I'm not going to give you any other sign, but I'm going to tell you that one day you're going to give an account And the queen of Sheba is going to come to testify against you. Why? Because the queen of Sheba heard some amazing tales. She didn't quite believe them on face value, but she didn't stop there. She didn't discount them. She went to go find out for herself whether those things were true. She put in the work. She wanted to find out what was true and not just assume. She put forth the work and said, this is true. This is amazing. He says, listen, she went to Solomon I want to tell you that someone greater than Solomon is here. Jesus saying, listen, if you wanted to know the truth, I'm right here. I would have told you. You could have researched it for yourself. You could have asked hard questions and I would have answered you. I would have been glad to show you these things, but you wouldn't. You understand the queen of Sheba is going to give a testimony against those people that said they could have known the truth if they wanted it. They could have known those things. They could have known, I came from a distant land to a man like Solomon to do the work, to seek and to see. And you can't learn from the Son of God who's there in your midst. On Judgment Day, will she come to condemn our generation? You understand, today... We have the finished word of God. Today, we even have so much more. The people, if there was anyone in America that wanted to know about how they could have forgiveness of sins, they could know. They could download an app. They could go spend a couple dollars at Walmart and get a Bible for themselves. They could find the answers. They are available if they wanted to know. Someone could ask hard questions and say, listen, I don't know if this God is real. Can you explain creation? And you know that we can scientifically explain creation and show that our God is real and be able to give these clear things. I'm so thankful that our God is not absent from science. We can ask scientific questions concerning God and be able to get answered. 
we could seek for ourselves. You know, someone could go and say, is the Bible that I have in my hand, is that the word of God? Can I know it for sure? And definitely you could know that for sure. We have history that we can line up. We have God's promises that we can line up. There's plenty of evidence to have proof that this is indeed the very word of God that God intended us to have. We can know the truth if we want it to. The problem is in what is going to cause condemnation is that we don't search out the truth. No, nope, no, nope, I don't believe it, so I'm not going to follow it. But what if I tell you the truth? Oh, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. It's, it's just not for me. You understand you can have all of those answers. God can guide us into all truth. He can guide us to what we're supposed to know. Someone can say, well, listen, I went to church all my life and I didn't know what God's will for my life was. Do you know that you could find out God's will and God wants you to know it? You could ask these hard questions and you could find out for yourself. You can know what is true. We quoted this before, before the message, but John seven seventeen: if any man will do my will, he can know of the doctrine, whether I speak of God or whether I speak of myself. You can know our God is a God of knowledge. He wants you to put forth the effort to study for yourself to see if these things are true. You could search them out. You could see anything that God says and you could find it out for yourself. But when we don't put forth the work, when we deny, oh, it just doesn't sound like it's for me. You understand the queen of Sheba is going to stand up one day and said, why couldn't you? I put forth the effort to find the truth and I found it. You could find out for yourself. So maybe perhaps there's someone in here at the sound of my voice that says, preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm forgiven of my sins. I don't know for sure if I could even be forgiven of my sins. Preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. Let me tell you there's some good news. 1 John 5.13 These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You know it would be our great privilege seeking friend for us to be able to take the Bible and show you from God's word how you can know without a doubt that your sins can be forgiven and that you can have a home in heaven. You can know that today. Maybe there's someone in here that says preacher there's a lot of different Bibles out there today and it's confusing. Can we know for sure that the Bible is God's word? Let me tell you, seeking friend, it'd be our great privilege to take the Bible and show you the light of history and show you how you could know without a doubt that the Bible you have in your hand is indeed the very word of God and that you can trust it. Maybe there's someone in here that says, preacher, I just don't know whether I should join this church or not. Well, let me tell you, you ask your questions. I'll be glad to ask answer your questions and field them, even hard questions, so you could find out what God would have you to do concerning this matter and see it for yourself. You say, preacher, I need wisdom on this and I need this. How can I know what to do? How can I raise my kids? How can I know who to marry? Let me tell you, the Bible can show you all of those things. And the Bible's not afraid of hard questions. It does not fall apart just because you start asking difficult questions. Now, I admit that there are things that maybe I don't know, and I'll be glad to look in there with you. But let me tell you, these, your questions will stand, and you can know these things for yourself. That you have to put forth the effort to find out, what does God have for me? Is this true? Is it not? Let me tell you, there's a lot of people who act like Christianity 
is just a fairy tale. And those are church-going people. I show up on Sunday morning, I put on my smile, and then I leave. And on Monday, I don't even think about God anymore. Think about the servants of Solomon. They were happy. They were prosperous and they were blessed. There should be something in our attitudes that we just don't say I'm a Christian, but our behavior should back it up because our God is real. The half has not yet been told. We're thankful that we could find out. Find out more for yourself. Put God to the test. Seek God for yourself. I love honest-minded skeptics. I love honest-minded seekers. People who want to know the truth. Because if you want to know the truth, you can find the truth. It is available. It's not hidden. It's not put away. It's not too high that only certain gurus can understand it. Everyone can find the truth for themselves. And we'd be glad to point it out for you. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.